Good morning, church, and good morning to those online. How great is our God indeed. Um, this week, as I've been just reflecting over the week, um, very conscious that uh, plans have been thwarted with border restrictions. I know so many people whose plans for the holidays have just been um, stopped, had to change, and the disappointment and the frustration that comes with that. And it's very real. And at the moment we are um, experiencing lots of those times, I think, through this COVID experience. There's just so many times. But the reality is that plans get thwarted all the time through our life. And uh, and it is frustrating and it is, is um, discouraging and disheartening and disappointing. But if we sit in that, uh, we get stuck um, because we, we uh, don't see the good God that is behind those plans that are being thwarted because God's plans cannot be thwarted. thwarted. And I've been looking at um, or just thinking about uh, what I know about God because my plans this in this past week have been thwarted many times over um, and I'm frustrated and disappointed about those things. But when I look to God and go, well, I know what I know about God. God is good. God is great and his plans can't be thwarted. Um, and so I can rest that despite my plans being mucked up, God's plans in my life and in all your lives are um, are good. So with that in mind, that's where I'm praying this morning. So would you join me in prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, you are a good God. You are a great God. And, Lord, you, um, your plans cannot be thwarted. Lord, I just thank you that... Um, you love us so dearly that you have greater plans for us, that where our plans fail for whatever reasons beyond our control, Lord, you are still sovereign. You are still in control. And, Lord, as I pray that in the disappointments we face when our plans don't go to plan, when things go uh, in a different direction that we hadn't planned, Lord, that we can trust that you are part of those plans, whatever they come to be, and that your plans are better, your plans are greater. Lord, you can see beyond um, our lives. You can see beyond what we can see, um, the, the complexity of our lives. Lord, you see it all, and your goodness and greatness in that. Uh, makes the plans that you have for us better than what we can expect and what we know. Lord, I pray um, when we are disappointed that we can take that disappointment to you and trust that you have good things in store for us. And for every person that is here or listening, Lord, and may they turn their eyes towards you in those um, plans that have been mucked up and go, God, what is, what is the better thing that you've got for me in this? Turn our eyes to you, Lord. Turn our hearts to you, knowing that we can trust that you are good, that we can trust um, all of our plans to you, knowing that you have goodness in our lives and that you can um, open our eyes to see those things. Lord, I just praise you for the good God that you are and I pray that you just help us see your hand in our plans, in our thwarted plans, in the things that move forward, that we can see your greatness over our lives. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen indeed. Isn't that so true? Wonderful once again that... Uh, it's all right, I'll just use the stand. That's fine. Um, Feels like the Holy Spirit's been working behind the scenes, pulling pulling this service together as as Mon you shared this morning, really on the theme of this morning. So that's great to see. Isn't it great that we can sing? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it fun? funny last week? It's really hard to praise our Savior without vocalizing that. In fact, it reminds me of a time I was um, I was able to visit Port Arthur. Um, and, and we went through the old prison there, and there was a chapel. And in the chapel, they had these booths um, so that you couldn't see the person next to you because they were in uh, solitary confinement. They weren't allowed to speak. Imagine not being able to talk and, and communicate to anyone, but they were allowed to sing. And apparently, when, when they sang, they sang because they were allowed to sing um, and hear each other's voices. So it's great to be able to sing again this morning. Um, this morning, actually just before beforehand, I just wanted to 
uh, quickly say, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um, uh, the, the truth and the importance of truth. And I said something at the start that I just, I think, came across a bit wrong. And I just wanted to apologise for that. Um, I was talking about the, the Liberal Party and it sounded like I was saying that they'd kicked out all of the Christians from the Liberal Party. That, that wasn't what I was meaning to say. A, a cohort of Christians were trying to join the party and they were trying to stop that. So the, the whole point of sharing that story was, was painting a picture of the world that we live in, increasing persecution, uh, increasing turning away from uh, biblical principles and uh, Christio, um, Judo, uh, values that really underpin our society and, and we're entering more and more into that realm. So that was trying to paint that picture and it came across a bit wrong. I actually noticed a couple of you shifting in your seats. I was like, what have I said wrong? So I apologise for that. Um, so this morning, and it really comes out of uh, the prayer that we just prayed, um, one of the things that I love about our church community, in fact, uh, when Joe and I uh, were at another church, we'd, we'd choose this church to visit to when we were on holidays, and we came to one service where people were just laying it out. They were being vulnerable. They were being real. Uh, they weren't pretending to have it all together. And I think that's an important aspect of our, our church culture and a, a thing that we value really well and that I love is that people being willing to just share where they're at, uh, warts and all. And I remember going to that, that service and thinking, wow, this is an amazing church that people are, are willing to, to share and be honest and real with one another. And so I want to do that this morning and, and, and be real and honest with you personally. In fact, uh, this sermon series really comes out of really what I think the Lord has been speaking to me and encouraging me in, 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 the, in the desire to, to move our church forward and to lead. Um, I've been uh, going, 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 and probably haven't uh, looked after myself as well as I, I should. And I've been noticing there's been uh, some behaviour traits and thoughts and things that have been happening in my mind that perhaps aren't healthy uh, in, the, in the leading and in, in the pursuing of wanting to lead our church. And so I wanted to preach uh, over the next couple of weeks on the verse from Philippians. It's probably one of the most um, tea-toweled, arm-banded, printed on mugs, uh, stickered verse uh, that we have, uh, Philippians chapter 4, many of you would know as as we read it. And I want to be spending the next couple of weeks kind of unpacking aspects of this verse and using other parts of scriptures and other stories to to really speak into this whole theme of not being anxious for anything, being anxious for nothing. You yourself might be experiencing anxiety. You might be experiencing worry in the, the current climate that I just talked about before. Uh, as we want to bring up our children into the world, what world are we bringing them into? You might have uh, financial struggles. You might have health issues right now. Uh, there are all sorts of things and experiences and human conditions that we uh, experience and, and worry about. And um, over the, so I just want to really speak into that and really encourage us this morning. And just as the same as that, uh, meeting that we went to where people got up and shared and vulnerable. I actually want to open up at the end of this time an opportunity for people to come and share. And so I want you to be thinking about as I'm talking uh, anything that you feel like the Lord's laying on your heart to share. It might be an experience that you've had. It might be a word for someone here. Uh, it might be um, something out of what I say that you say, hey, yeah, that I've experienced that and I want to encourage people uh, in that too, that we're all in this boat together. So we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4. So if you've, you've got that with you, a bit of a background to the uh, passage. Paul is uh, in Rome. He is wanting more than anything to preach the gospel uh, and to, to minister to the people there. And he's finding himself chained and in prison. And he's actually not sure about what his outcome is going to be in his life. He's not even sure if he's going to make it out alive. And yet, in that moment, in that environment, in that world, 
he writes these most amazing words, these inspirational words that encourage and inspire us all. Rejoice in the Lord always. Imagine being chained to a guard in prison and that's his, his outlook. Rejoice. We've got a reason to rejoice, as Mon just shared, even though Paul's plans were thwarted and he, he wasn't able to preach, he's, he's still able to see the goodness of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Some versions say be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. No wonder it's a a popular passage of scripture most amazing and encouraging words that our hearts and minds will be guarded in Christ Jesus as we present our requests to God. It says, be anxious for nothing or uh, do not be anxious about anything. Is that even possible? <laughs> Is that even possible to not be anxious about anything? In fact, um, in the Bible, I've come across this heaps of times on Twitter and and all sorts of things. Apparently, in the Bible, it says, do not fear 365 times. So that's one for every day of the year. You can be assured that we do not have to fear. In fact, you might have your own uh, do not fear passage of Scripture that is encouraging to you. Uh, For me personally, uh, six months into ministry, I was ready to give up and I went out to a park bench and I did what you're not allowed to do. I opened up scripture and I went like this. Um, But God God used my sillinesses and um, this has become my life verse because I pointed at a passage of scripture that said, do not fear. said, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just as I was, I was ready to give up, I pointed a passage of scripture that it says, I am with you, do not fear. And that kept me going. You might have your own do not fear passage. There's plenty of them. In fact, Jesus himself in Matthew says, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Can any one of you by worrying at a single day to your life. And then, of course, in the passage that we just read, do not be anxious about anything. So we've got do not fear, do not worry, do not be anxious. These are commands in in the Bible. So can I have a show of hands, please? Who's nailed that one? Come on, where are are all your hands? Are 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 we... Bible believing Christians, are we, we we following the Word of God? You know. <laughs> In fact, if we think about why is the Bible so full of this message of not fearing, not being anxious, not worrying? I think it's because God knows the human condition. And if you've ever found yourself at a point in your life where you're incredibly anxious, or you are, are fearful of something that it's perhaps going to happen or you're, you're unsure of, be assured that you are actually a human being. You're experiencing very normal human behaviour. And I think God knew that and God knows that and why he has written so much in Scripture about not needing to fear because he knows that that's something that we tend to do a lot, don't we? We tend to do it a lot. Now, if any of you have uh, battled with depression or anxiety, there is, there is clinical anxiety and depression and then there's just the human condition. I'm, I'm talking just generally about the, the human condition. Um, I'm not going to be going into the world of the, the clinical world this morning, but I know that there's been many of you who have, have suffered with that. Um, in fact, I remember speaking with, with someone who uh, had, had severe depression and I was trying to encourage them about trying to see reality against 
um, you know, what they're thinking in their minds. And, and then I went to listen to a podcast about dealing with people with severe clinical depression and it said, don't do that. And so that was a good reminder that there is the reality that, um, yeah, that, that, that there is a real uh, mental thing that we're battling with and, and Hans Vortman a few weeks ago really spoke into that. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, by using an Old Testament character. If any of you have felt anxiety, worry, uh, pressure in life, then you would uh, love this character, Elijah. In fact, um, when I was uh, in, a, in a previous church, the, the church encouraged me to, to meet with a, a mentor who, who used this passage of Scripture to try and encourage me. And I remember when he was doing it, I was thinking, are you trying to tell me I'm depressed? And you trying to <laughs> like, are you seeing into my world? And I didn't see myself that way, but I really remember what he was saying and what he, how he was using uh, this story of Elijah to really encourage anyone who is feeling the pressure and and the weight of the world on them. For Elijah was someone who struggled with fear and anxiety. Isn't it amazing that one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament and he is still regarded as one of the greatest prophets he's mentioned in in the New Testament when they're talking about you know Moses or Elijah or one of the prophets you know Elijah is mentioned um, that he struggled with anxiety here is Elijah who um, amazing prophet did incredible things knew the power of God at work through him he knew God's provision uh, who fed him miraculously? Uh, he uh, prophesied uh, drought and and against the sin of King Ahab for three years, and for three years Elijah uh, was this amazing rock which God used, and he raised people from the dead. He did did all these amazing things. In fact. There's the, the most famous story that I love telling at youth groups, the youth group love this sort of story, was 850 prophets against one man and he takes them all down. So here's this Elijah, you'd think he's, he's in a prime place, he's, he's just seen the miraculous workings of God, he's, he's, um, he's right up there. And yet something happened uh, for Elijah, he was threatened with his life, but he was threatened for three years before that. And But he kept trusting in God, kept seeing God at work. But there, there was something different about this threat. And it threw him on a course and, and led him down a path of severe anxiety and depression. And it came straight after he had nailed the 850 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And Ahab comes back and tells his wife Jezebel, if you know the story. Now, Ahab was an evil king, but Jezebel was even more crazy and, and evil than, than Ahab. And, and Jezebel, her whole support network is, has been done away with. The thing that feeds her evilness and her uh, chaoticness has been, been thwarted by, by Elijah, by getting rid of all of these prophets, and she is angry. She wants revenge. In fact, I haven't haven't got it up on on the page, but I might actually read it to you. If you've got, uh, if you want to turn to one Kings nineteen, chapter one. Met, listen to this threat. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, "May the gods deal with me." be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do, do not make your life like that of one of them. She is really annoyed at what Elijah has done and she is after his blood and she really wants to take him down. Now, it really interestingly, as I said, here's Elijah, knows God's provision and power and presence to, to carry him through his work and yet this one threat from this evil woman turns this spiral and he spirals downwards. Let's read from uh, 
3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Has anyone gone through anything like that, where you've been at a point in your life where you've just had enough? You just, you just want, want, to, want to be done away with everything. And it's just got to points so, so much that you're just totally exhausted and you just want to be, you just want it to end. Perhaps that's been you. I know that in, in my life there's been a, a real hard moment in, in my experience and I actually uttered words very similar to that, whereas I don't think I can go on. I don't think I can go on. And it's an important thing to recognise. So Elijah here, after having all of this success, made some mistakes. And I want to just outline these mistakes and encourage us this morning. First of all, he ran away. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Rather than facing his fears and trusting in the Lord as he had done previously, he, a threat comes to him of, to take his life. And rather than, than come up against his fears as he'd done before, knowing God's protection, knowing his miraculous power at work, he forgets all that and he runs away. He runs away from his problem. I think so many of us follow this, this same mistake. When we come up against something, we want to just get as far away from it as we can. We want to pretend it doesn't exist or we want to um, just just get, get out of it in order for that pressure to not come up against us. So Elijah, first of all, runs away. And boy, did he run away. I don't know if you know this. If you don't know the geography of uh, the ancient times, I've got a picture here. I just Googled it. Uh, at the end of chapter uh, 18, it says he's in Jezreel Valley, and then he goes to, to Beersheba and just mentions it in the, oh, yeah, he just went there. Uh, that, if you look at that, that's 172 kilometres, and that's it's going to take you an hour and 48 minutes by car. Now, obviously, he didn't have a car. Now, if, if I did click on the little man running there, and it's 37 hours walking. So he didn't just sort of run away to the next village. He ran away. He really got out of there. In fact, he went from the farthest kind of northern part of the kingdom to the furthest. So he couldn't really sort of go any further south. To, to, to run away from this threat of his life. So first of all, he runs away. It's his first mistake. The second mistake is that he goes too hard. He himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Now, if running away wasn't hard enough, if going that far, like he went the farthest away that he possibly could, and, and yet still that wasn't enough. He just kept going and he went another day's journey into the wilderness. He would have been utterly exhausted. That 37 hours of walking, running to get away and then another whole day added to that. And this speaks of running ourselves into the ground. We love to put things in the way, whether it be work or other pursuits to try and crowd out our pain and our anxiety. And by doing so, we work and we work and we work and we push you and we push and we push until we can't go on anymore. We run too hard. We need our Sabbath rest. You and I were designed for rest. Did you know that? Or we need our rest. It's, it's the way we're built. 
and yet we fill our lives with so much stuff and so much work and so much doing and we forget to rest. And Elijah didn't rest. He just kept on going. And in fact, in our society, here we go again, Sundays used to be free from shops weren't open. There were no sport for the kids. You know, there were no activities beyond that. Sunday was for, for rest and for church. That was the world that we lived in years gone by. The world we live in now, you know, we've got kids sport threatening. We've got other um, pursuits on Sunday, other things to do that we're just trying to fill it. And we fill our work weeks with work and, and activity. And then it comes to the, to the weekend where we're designed to rest and to have our, our time to recoup. And we fill it with stuff. And I think that's probably been part of my um, mistake over these um, past year or so is to not take the rest and, and to recoup as much as I should have. It's a bit like those highway signs on the road if you've ever driven uh, in the country, rest every two hours. Uh, fatigue will kill. And, and it's true. Fatigue was doing something here for Elijah. He didn't rest as he should have. And number three mistake Elijah made was he tried to go alone, said that he left his servant there and went another day into the wilderness. His most loyal companion, his servant that had been with him side by side through all of his ups and downs previously, he, he says, well, I don't need you. I'm going to leave you here and I'm going to go alone. I'm going to try and fix myself. I'm going to try and, and go into this and I shut people out. Anyone do that? When you're in your most needed time of need, when you're feeling the pressure in life, we're built for community. And we shouldn't give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we should be gathering together and carrying each other's burdens even more so uh, when we're going through things. In fact, I love this quote from Winnie the Pooh. Today was a difficult day, said Pooh, and there was a pause. Do you want to talk about it, asked Piglet. No, said Pooh, after a bit. I don't think I, I do. That's okay, said Piglet, and he came to sat down beside his friend. What are you doing, asked Pooh. Nothing really, said Piglet, only I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my difficult days either. But goodness, he continued, continued Piglet, difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there, working through in his head this difficult day, while the solid, reliable Piglet sat next to him quietly swinging his little legs, he thought that the best friend he ever had had, been, had never been more right. Isn't that a great quote? That we need each other. Yet Elijah said, I don't need my most trusted and faithful servant, my friend who has been with me through it all. Um, Willie Stewart is not here today. She's still unwell. It's been four weeks now. She's been battling with a cough. Um, but when I, I first um, took on the lead role, Willie gave me a jar um, and she, she wrote in it a note, uh, a word for me, and she gave it to me and she says, this jar I want you to keep on your desk and if you look in my room it's still there. And she said, it doesn't have a jar, a lid on it on purpose. That's because you should never shut people out. You should always have your lid open and let people into your life. And that's been a great reminder for me. Thank you, Willie, if you're watching online, uh, for this, not to go down this mistake of shutting people out. If you're dealing with severe anxiety and, and fear and, and worry, we need to get alongside each other, which is why I want to encourage some time in, in a moment that you might want to perhaps share something that's happening in your life that we might be able to get alongside you and pray for you. And finally, Elijah forgets God. 
He said, take my life. I know better than my ancestors. Here he speaks a lie. He was the most amazing prophet. God used him mightily. God called him and had a purpose for him. He was not no better than his ancestors. He forgot the way that God had used him and, and, and had empowered him and had provided for him and had worked through him. And this was a situation no different from that which he had gone through, and yet he forgot the experiences of his past. He forgot God. See, many of us are facing our fears while we're forgetting that our God is with us. Every step of the way, every moment, in every situation, God has been present. God has provided and God has protected. The most amazing thing as this story continues is as Elijah's there, shriveled up, wanting to die under a bush, what happens next? Does anyone know the story? God comes to him. And isn't that the Bible message? Isn't that the gospel message? That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That God stepped down from heaven to become one of us, to live our world, to know us, to love us, to come alongside us. And Jesus says to his disciples as he's about to go back to heaven, don't be afraid, I'm going to send another, a counsellor to be with you. Then the Holy Spirit comes to be with us, to alongside us, to guide us, to comfort us. God comes to Elijah. First of all, he again miraculously feeds him. He wakes up and an angel gives him some bread and some water and then he tells him to go to a particular place and Elijah finds himself in a cave, still depressed, still anxious, still worried about the threat on his life. And God miraculously speaks to him. And I think this is a really, really wonderful picture. See, Elijah's falling apart and God doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't preach to him. He doesn't say, come on, son, get on your feet. You're better than this. You've got the power in you. You can do it. Sometimes maybe we want that, (laughs) but God doesn't do that. God responds in a really interesting way. We're going to continue to look at this passage. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Then Elijah heard it, and he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So when God came to Elijah, he didn't come to him in a big, powerful, wind, earthquake, fire, aggressive way to tell him. He actually came in a gentle way to come alongside him. And that is what God does with each and every one of us in each moment of need. In fact, we were praying before the service and Nadine said that we might be able to hear your sweet, small voice. And as she said that, I was like, yes, that's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. God wasn't in the remarkable, he was in the ordinary. Isn't that encouraging? That God is in your ordinary too. But when we're anxious and and worried, why doesn't God kind of do the big miraculous thing? I think sometimes we're after a big something written in the clouds, in the sky, some encouragement, some big powerful thing to get us up out of our... why, Why is it that God spoke to him in a whisper? As I was, I was dwelling on this, I was, something came to me, and I want to, want to illustrate that. Now, my, my wife is, is home this morning with, with some sick kids, so I'm going to have to pick on Dan, if you, if you don't mind, if you come up here. I was actually going to have my wife with me because I was going to get close to her. And um, 
I, I know Dan doesn't mind getting close. He likes a good cuddle. Yeah. So I thought I thought that would be okay rather than pick on someone and it'd be awkward. So this won't be awkward. <laughs> oh, okay, because you don't know what's happening. Um, so Dan is Elijah, and and he's stressed. He's worried. He's in a cave. He's shriveled up. He's anxious. And Elijah might be saying, why aren't you in the wind? Why aren't you miraculously showing yourself in a, in a powerful way? And why is it in a whisper? Why is it in a whisper? I think it's in a whisper because it shows that God is right by his side, that God is near, that he is close and he's... And, <laughs> And if he spoke loudly, strongly, hardly, it'd be too much, wouldn't it? But he, being so close, can hear the whisper saying, I've, my grace is sufficient for you. I love you. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Even though you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. I'm here next to you. I'm here. I'm here. I'm close. I'm by your side. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that's what thanks, mate. That's what God did for Elijah and how God speaks to us and what I want us to be encouraged in this morning. He speaks to us in a whisper because he's close. Because he's by our side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for he is with me. He's my comforter. He is my shield. You know what? The devil shouts. Our enemy stands there and says things like, you're no good and you're pathetic and you won't amount to anything and and you're stuffed up. So if you hear those voices loud and clear, you can distinguish those voices from the sweet whisper. Sometimes, though, we fill our lives with so much stuff, a bit like the mistake of going too hard, that when our life is so full of stuff, we can't hear the sweet voice. We can't hear the Holy Spirit remind us of his goodness, of his love for us. So he is close. In fact, if we go back to our passage in Philippians, I was researching this and it says that the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, obviously, Paul is speaking here about his second coming, that the Lord is, is near, his, his, his return is imminent, therefore we don't need to be anxious. This life is, is only a, a breath, but we've got the rest of eternity with him. So let that be an encouragement to you, the fact that the Lord is coming again, that that be something. But it, I love the English, and it says that the Lord is near. He is close. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. In fact, I was, um, I was on Facebook, and my youth pastor from when I was a kid, Stuart Cameron, who's now uh, in, or he's in Sydney now, he was leading a church in, in Queensland. Uh, he's now... Um, doing some other things, he posted this post about this passage. And I thought, isn't that interesting? I'm just about to preach on this. And, and this comes up in my feed. And he said something really interesting. He said that the first sentence translated from the original Greek into English doesn't start with the exhortation, don't be anxious. See, what happens is when we've translated the Bible into English, we've, we've put numbers where there weren't numbers before. It was meant to be written uh, in one long thing. And we've put sentence, really long sentences that were in Greek that went really long. We, we chopped them up and tried to make them make sense uh, in an English translation. And it says it doesn't, the original Greek doesn't say, full stop, don't be anxious about anything. The tail end of verse 5 is the beginning of the sentence. The Lord is near. 
Therefore, in full, it reads, the Lord is near, do not be anxious about anything. Now, doesn't that, doesn't that change it? Doesn't that put a, a twist on it? Rather than it, it, it be just this thing that I've got to work towards, I've, I've got to not be anxious, it starts with the promise that the Lord is near. Therefore, do not be anxious. In fact, he, he went on to write in his post, this changes everything. Rather than go, doing all I can, gritting my teeth not to be anxious and falling for the lie that if I'm successful, I might win some peace. I can rest in the promise that Jesus will one day return and when he does, he will make all things new. As a result, I can see and experience present and momentary troubles through the lens of the future hope that is mine through Christ Jesus. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He is coming. And by the Holy Spirit, he is with me. And as is the peace he leaves with each and every one of his disciples. This reminded me that I don't need to be anxious. Rather, I can be forever grateful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, there's some young, young people here. If you've never read the story of Elijah, particularly when he takes on the prophets of Baal, it's an awesome story just for the story's sake. But some of you might not know how Elijah's story ends. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, but you go read it anyway. What was the one thing that he was most anxious about? It was this threat about being having his life taken, wasn't it? About losing his life. That's what sent him on this downward spiral of, of anxiety and, and fear. Yeah, if any of you know the story, what happened for Elijah at the end of his life? He didn't even taste death. He was there walking with his protege, Elijah, and this chariot came and took him and took him up into heaven. So the very thing that he was fearful of never happened. And sometimes we can live our life, and we're going to be talking about this a bit more next week, the perspective that we have changes everything. If we, if we live thinking the worst is going to happen, we don't ever experience the goodness and the joy and the life that he has for us. In fact, I'll go on to say that anything that we're anxious about has three possible outcomes. Number one, it never happens. Number two, it happens and it's not that bad. Number three, it does happen, yet the worst case scenario, he is there and he pulls us through. Isn't that a wonderful gospel message? That we don't need to be anxious about anything because our God is next to us. He is near and he is continually whispering to us. Do not be anxious about anything but rejoice in the Lord always. So let's not follow Elijah's mistakes. If we are feeling pressure, if we're feeling fearful, if we're feeling worried and anxious, to not run away, to not fill our lives with so much stuff that we get burnt out and, and broken down without rest, to not come to the community and, and be shutting people out and not doing the one thing that I think so many of us do is to forget that God has been with us in the past and he'll be with us through this and he'll be with us in the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So in all of that, does anyone have a story in their life or a current situation that you just love to share openly, be real, be vulnerable about? Or perhaps you've had an experience, maybe you've made one of these mistakes and you've got a story to tell, or maybe um, something's happened in your life that you can encourage people here around this whole subject of being anxious for nothing. Feel free to come up if that's you.
Um, as soon as uh, you put that verse up there, it really brought to mind how God has actually used that exact verse really powerfully in my life. Um, when I was in uni, I had um, insomnia. Well, uh, yeah, I couldn't sleep for a long period of time. At the time, I was um, I was a good uni student working at Subway, and they, because I was young, they gave me the late shift, so I'd work till midnight, and then have to get the bus. I didn't have a car, so I had to get the bus home, and then be up for uni at six a.m. to be able to get to an eight o'clock lecture, that sort of thing. <laughs> and it really messed with my mind because I wasn't sleeping, uh, well, there was the pressure. I needed to get sleep straight away and there was no wind-down time and then it developed into being anxious about going to sleep and um, and so I found that I just, I almost was anxious just thinking about going to sleep at night and I, um, I ended up probably getting about three or four hours sleep a night for an extended period of time and I would... Um, I was probably I was 18, 19, I was very young and living by myself or with some housemates and and uh, the the anxiety was, yeah, overwhelming. I used to call my mum up in the middle of the night and good on her, she would answer the phone <laughs> um, at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning and um, crying, saying I can't sleep again and it was pretty much every night, let's be honest. I was not... Um, coping and you know there's a massive transition to going to uni anyway being first year uni and being from the country and anyway um it just spiraled into um this insomnia where I just couldn't sleep and I would fall fall asleep in lectures because I was so tired um and you know I'm sure all you mums know what sleep deprivation is like as well it just um your emotions are heightened and um so for me that verse it actually was the way I that I, I broke through that anxiety because I felt like God was saying you need to declare this promise over over your life. Um, and because for me, logic, you know, thinking logically did not help. But his promise was peace beyond my understanding. It wasn't related to me understanding it or doing anything for myself. It was just saying, God, thank you that your peace it goes beyond what I um, can do for myself and and um, it was only then I just declared it every single night that it was almost like it broke the the power of that insomnia over over me and I could um, and I worked through it and I got through it so yeah it just had such a personal um, yeah it was a personal experience for me that verse in itself was that declaration of a promise that God had for me yeah so good thank you Anyone else got a, a story or a, something's happening here? Dave, yep. I love uh, that scripture in Philippians and also the story of Elijah. I couldn't help but come out. Um, I've trying to lived a life that's challenged that scripture because I've been anxious for everything. <laughs> and other times I've said, God, that's all very well for you to say, be anxious for nothing. You don't know the challenges that I'm facing. But then I've twisted them all around and love the scripture and love the challenge. Love the story of Elijah and I was so fortunate to be on Mount Carmel where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. Uh, I was there in 2018, not when Elijah was there. (laughs) (laughs) Ten minutes before we got there, I was asked would I share a word and read the scriptures that were appropriate, the story. And so there's a little church on the mountain now we assembled in there, there were no lights and I went out the front, the podium felt like it was going to fall over, I had the Bible I had to read in the dark and so I turned the light on my telephone, I'm trying to hide the Bible and my phone and I said I'm going to struggle reading this and one of the group came out and put his glasses on me 
and the arm of the glass didn't go on top of my ear, it went into the ear hole. <laughs> so my son, who was with me, came out and held the torch and I got through. However, i just started and another lady outside of our group came in and started lighting candles to the left of me. I continued and then a big black man came in through the door, came down and prostrated himself on the ground in front of me and he remained there for two or three minutes. Now that's all beside <laughs> the point I'm wanting to get to and that is that story and, and what I tried to say to the group to encourage them is 450 prophets of Baal and they're praying to Baal and they're going berserk. They're jumping, they're dancing, they're shouting, they're cutting themselves. They're just going on. Baal didn't respond. Elijah's turned. He said, God, over to you. And the whole thing ignited. Water rocks the sacrifice. What a lesson for us. We don't have to carry on to get God's attention. We've just got to say, God, I need you. We don't have to be anxious, do we? We've got this God who is so wonderful that is there and heals. Here's our, our gentle prayer. God be for us, none can stand against us. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Dave. It's great. Still got a little bit of time if anyone else... Anyone else is currently going through something or has been through something and might encourage anyone else here? Yeah. G'day. Um, so my story is not really um, sort of a current thing, but... Um, when, I, when we were talking about Elijah, I think the, the interesting part about, um, what happened before, uh, God revealed himself. So before God came, um, before the earth and the wind and the fire and the, yeah, all that, you know, before the whisper actually, um, was, uh, an angel came and, uh, fed him and told him to get some rest. Because he was obviously knackered, so he was—he'd obviously reached the end, and um, and the angel—he actually gave the same response that he gave to God. He gave to the angel early on, so you know when he'd finally got there and he decided he couldn't do it anymore, uh, an angel came, asked him. He said, "Oh, you know, I'll um, tell you the whole thing. I'm done. I'm over it. Of you know," and the angel said, "All right, just get some rest. Here's some food. Get some rest." And and then uh, he slept again. Then he woke up, and then. The angel fed him again, get some rest, get some food, get some rest. And then, uh, and then prepared him that the idea that, you know, God was going to come. And that was something that, um, uh, certainly like I've, uh, reached points in my life, um, where I'd experienced that level of exhaustion and that level of, um, just being well and truly over it. I don't know if, uh, I think Nadine sort of hit the nail on the head with, uh, Sleep plays a big part in that, and I think um, we, uh, we, you know, we've had our fair share of sleep struggle with the kids uh, when they were babies. Um, and uh, leading up to Max's birth, we had a very uh, long period of uh, sort of complications uh, with Beck's pregnancy right towards the end there, and and so uh, we were in and out of hospitals, you know, in the middle of the night for for a good couple of weeks there leading up to it. And so I think we went into it just exhausted just done we were just well and truly um at the end of it and then um and then after the you know after max was born we stayed in hospital for a couple of nights and uh you know our oldest levi was only a toddler at the time he was not he was just about to turn two and um you know before we were you know when when i what i remember about after max was born was that i'd I'd been awake. I mean, Beck had been awake for a few days. I'd been awake for a few days and, uh, we were just, you know, it was a relief to finally sort of, you know, 
reached the point where we had the baby and he was fine and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I remember my mother-in-law, you know, I was like, oh, I've got to go see, get Levi. And, and my mother-in-law just said, just go home and get some rest. And, um, yeah, that just, I guess it just reminded me of, is that angel, you know, that it fed you and just let you get some rest. And, um, yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes you might have the opportunity to, to be that angel, uh, and you might have the opportunity to help someone get some rest and, um, you know, get some, get some food in and, uh, take some rest. And yeah, so that was kind of, yeah, that was big sort of, I guess this passage played a role in that for me as well. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, really good, Soren. Thank you. Yeah, we can all be that angel. When we, if we, if we notice people struggling, like we can be the one that said, hey, you, you, maybe you've gone too hard. Maybe you need to step back. I'll take this from you for a period of time. You just get some rest. That's, that's really good, good word. I just felt like the Lord, that was beautiful, Soren. Thank you so much. Um, I just felt like the Lord then was prompting me um, just around this whole issue of anxiety um, to share with you the whole thing about doing things afraid. And it's okay to feel fearful, a bit like what Sam talked about today. It's just that human state. We're not home yet. One day in heaven we won't have those anxieties and those worries. But while we're here on earth, we are going to have those times where we feel anxious. And even though I'm still young, I feel like God's given me lots and lots of opportunities to learn how to step out, even when I felt super afraid. And whether that's been flying back on planes from Istanbul unexpectedly to be with my sister who was unwell or making really big life changes that didn't make sense to other people and I guess stepping out and not worrying about what other people are going to be thinking of our family or of me in those times Um, and just I guess learning over time to discern and hear that sweet small voice and the, the whispers of the Holy Spirit to be able to step out in confidence even when I felt possibly desperately afraid or anxious and so I think sometimes God calls us to lay down those feelings and to not actually be in bondage by our feelings because we are going to feel anxious and that is just part of the human state but stepping out afraid is often the best way to go because when we do step out even in fear that's when Jesus meets us in the most powerful ways and I think the times in my life where I've had to do that God has just met me in unbelievable ways and then they're the very times that you look back on and you feel like oh Jesus you're so close to me or I've learned the most about um, about you and your courage in those times so yeah do it afraid and Jesus will come and meet you in those feelings and um, yeah he's, he's right there with you. One else last, yeah. Sometimes in your life, like when you've got small children, you can't really have a full day of the Sabbath. (laughs) (laughs) So. I used to try and have a portion of each day to be my little Sabbath and my angel was my next-door neighbour. She, um, every Monday morning, she had my children for 90 minutes and in that time I used to sit like a zombie just having the Sabbath. Um, and um, and I, I think in the scripture where where uh, Elijah was in the cave and twice uh, the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? Um, And the first time it was just when he was sitting quietly in the cave Um, and he was able to just take some quiet time, not to think or do, just to be still, be still and know that that I am God. And so... um, 
the, uh, my role model was John Wesley's mother. How many children did she have? It was about 12, wasn't it? And 13. And in the afternoon, they knew when mum sat in her chair and she put her apron over her head, don't bother her. So have your mini Sabbath, Sabbath and be just know that, that sometimes that's the best you can do to rest in the Lord. Good. Well, time is short, but I think I do just want to just um, maybe just sing the chorus of Good Good Father or something. Maybe, yeah, maybe chorus, bridge chorus or something. Just put that on you. Um, I think Dave Smythe put it perfectly, as he often does with his words. Um, Say, I can't do anything, it's over to you, God. And I want to take that opportunity now. And say, you know, we've we've talked, we've we've shared, but ultimately, you know, I can't do it. You can't do it. It's it's up to to God to show up, for His presence to be with us, for His Spirit to minister to our hearts and to our needs, and to speak into those situations that I know you all have. And I know not all of you have got up and shared, and I know that there's I. I know that there's lots of things happening for lots of people right now, uh, things that would cause anxiety, things that would cause you to fear and be unsure about certain things in the future. And so I want to hand it over to God now. We're going to want to sing this song and allow his spirit to just really speak and to use anything that's been shared from from the people, from the word, um, to actually allow his spirit to really speak into your situation. So can we do that? Lord, we just um, hand it over to you now. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge your presence amongst us. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge many mistakes that we've made like Elijah. Many of us can identify doing that time and time and time again. And yet we come back to the realisation that you will never leave us or forsake us. Uh, There is nothing that we can go through in life that you don't pull us through and that you want to whisper that sweet small voice into our lives right now. So, Lord, we just pray that we'd be open to your Holy Spirit, uh, that would speak, that would whisper. Lord, get rid of all of the voices and all of the things that would get in the way from us hearing you. And we ask, Lord, that you would just encourage us right now as we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. So feel free to... um, either sit, you might want to stand, you might want to raise your hands you might want to even come out the front and kneel down I just want to use this next few minutes just as an opportunity just to respond just to respond and know that he is near the Lord is near Thanks, music team. Thanks, uh, Sam. Uh, I think I've had to pick some of the most read and most favourite verses in the Bible to speak about. They would have been the ones that you shared with us, Sam, and really appreciated those that um, were able to share a a story of of how God's actually encouraged and supported them. I reckon there'd be a lot more stories that maybe another time uh, we could share as well. But I certainly found them very encouraging and uh, very real. Uh, that we we have a God that doesn't just write words in a book, 
Um, he actually uh, is at work as we read and, and take those things to heart and uh, put those things into action. He, he's right there uh, in the thick of it in the, the really tough times. So, yeah, uh, what, a, what, a great, what a great message. What, what fantastic stories of the goodness and just the amazing way that God uh, is at work in our lives. So uh, that's it for the the formalities this morning. Uh, Please uh, stick around and uh, take some time for a chat and a coffee. If you've come this morning uh, with a prayer need or the Lord's sort of laid something on your heart that you want to just be with someone to uh, be with you to pray, uh, there's an opportunity to do that straight after service as well in the prayer room, which is just off to the the right as as you're heading out as well. So... Yeah, um, just just trust, um, yeah, that you'll know the Lord's closeness in in the week ahead, and yeah, and just thank you to all of you for being a part of this morning service. Whenever we take time to focus on God, uh, He He steps in, uh, and He's real, and I think we've really experienced that this morning. So thanks, everyone. Father, it's who you are, it's who